from the screen what's up everybody this is part two to my charles bukowski um the essential bukowski i'm gonna try and finish this book tonight sit back relax pour yourself a drink i can't have a smoke i'm a chain smoker so i got this vaporizer i'm drinking some vodka sodas because i'm diabetic 
So I'm going to get a little drunk. I got six drinks I'm going to get through. I got a couple vaporizers going on. I'm going to do what I can. You should too. Relax. Have fun. This is all about Bukowski. This is all about enjoying yourself. So here we go. Let's get right into it. This one is called One for the Shoe Shine Man. The balance is in the snails climbing the Santa Monica cliffs. <clears throat> Excuse me. The luck is in walking down Western Avenue and having one of the girls from our massage parlor holler at you. Hello, sweetie. The miracle is in having five women in love with you at the age of 55. And the goodness is that you're only able to love one of them. The gift is in having a daughter more gentle than you are, whose laughter is finer than yours. The placidity is in being able to drive a blue 67 Volks through the streets like a teenager, the radio on to the host who loves you most, feeling the sun, feeling the solid hum of the rebuilt motor as you needle through traffic, pissing off the dead. The grace is in being able to like rock music, symphony music, jazz, anything that contains the joy of original energy. And the mathematic that returns is a deep blue low yourself, flat upon yourself within the guillotine walls, angry at the sound of the phone or anybody's footsteps passing. And the other math mathematic, the imminent lifting high that follows making the guys who sit on the benches outside the taco stands look like gurus, making the girl at the check stand in the supermarket look like Marilyn, like Zaza, like Jackie before they got her Harvard lover, like the girl in high school that all us boys followed home. And the neatness which makes you believe in something else besides death is Sandy Hawley bringing in five winners at Hollywood Park of off-torn form houses, none of them favorites, or somebody in a car approaching you on a street too narrow, and he or she pulls aside to let you buy, or the old fighter Bo Jack shining shoes after blowing the entire bankroll on parties, on women, on parasites, humming, blowing on the leather, working the rag, looking up and saying, what the hell? I had it for a while. That beats the other. I act very bitter sometimes, but the taste has often been sweet. It's only that I feared to say it. It's like when your woman says, tell me you love me, and you can't say it. If you ever see me grinning from my blue Volks running a yellow light driving straight into the sun without dark shades, I will only be locked into the afternoon of a crazy life. Thinking of trapeze artists, of midgets with big cigars, of a Russian winter in the early 40s, of chopping with his bag of polish oil, polished soil, or an old waitress bringing me an extra cup of coffee and seeming to laugh at me as she does so. The best of you, I like more than you think. The others don't count, except that they have fingers and heads, and some of them eyes, and most of them legs, and all of them good and bad dreams and a way to go. The balance is everywhere, and it's working, and the machine guns and the frogs and the hedges will tell you so. Balance. Love it. Cheers. Rest in peace, Bikelsey. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for watching this, Tammy. Thank you. Rest in peace, Bukowski. The meek have inherited. If I suffer at this typewriter, think how I'd feel among the lettuce pickers of Salinas. I think of the men I've known in factories with no way to get out, choking while living choking while laughing at Bob Hope or Lucille Ball while two or three children beat tennis balls against the walls. Some suicides are never recorded. Some suicides are never recorded. Who in the hell is Tom Jones? 
I was shacked with a 24-year-old girl from New York City for two weeks, along about the time of the garbage strike out there. And one night, this 34-year-old woman arrived and she said, I want to see my rival. And she did. And then she said, oh, you're a cute little thing. Next, I knew there was a whirling of wildcats, such screaming and scratching, wounded animal moans, blood and piss. I was drunk and in my shorts. I tried to separate them and fell, wrenched my knee. Then they were through in the door and down the walk and out in the street. Squad cars full of cops arrived. A police helicopter circled overhead. I stood in the bathroom and grinned in the mirror. It's not often at the age of 55 that such splendid action occurs. It was better than Watts riots. Then the 34-year-old came in. She had pissed all over herself and her clothing was torn and she was followed by two cops who wanted to know why. Pulling up my shorts, I tried to explain. Unbelievable. Settle in, everybody. We're going to be here for a while. My name is Conscience. I'm a poet from uh, BC, Canada. Uh, big fan of Bukowski. Inspired me to write at a young age. Pour yourself a drink. Do whatever it is you do to have fun, whether that be smoking some crack, shooting up some heroin. No, don't do that. But if you, if you want to, do it. Is whatever you want to do. This is all about having fun. This one's called, And a horse with green-blue eyes walks on the sun. What you see is what you see. Madhouses are rarely on display. That we still walk about and scratch ourselves and light cigarettes is more the miracle than bathing beauties in roses and a moth. To sit in a small room and drink a can of beer and roll a cigarette while listening to Brahms on a small red radio is to have come back from dozens of wars alive. Listening to the sound of the refrigerator as the Pope hangs a bathing beauty's rot and the oranges and apples roll away. They rolled away. <clears throat> Excuse me. This one's called an acceptance slip. 16 years old during the Depression, I'd come home drunk and all of my clothing, short shirt, stocking, suitcase, and pages short stories, would be thrown on the front lawn and about the street. My mother will be waiting behind a tree. Henry, Henry, don't go in. He'll kill you. He's read your stories. I can whip his ass. Henry, please take this and find yourself a room. But it worried him that I might not finish high school. So I'll be back again. One evening, he walked in with the pages of one of my short stories, which I had never submitted to him. And he said, this is a great short story. And I said, okay. And he handed it to me and I read it. It was a story about a rich man who had a fight with his wife and had gone out into the night for a cup of coffee. And he noticed the waitress and the spoons and the forks and the salt and pepper shakers and the neon sign in the window. And then had gone back to his stable to see and touch his favorite house, horse. Who then kicked him in the head and fucking killed him. Somehow the story held meaning for him. Though when he had written it, I had no idea of what I was writing about. So I told him, okay, man, you can have it. And he took it and walked out and closed the door. I guess that's as close as we ever got. Cheers. This one's called The End of a Short Affair. I tried it standing up this time. It usually doesn't work. This time, it seemed to be... She kept saying, oh my god, you've got beautiful legs. It was alright until she took her feet off the ground and wrapped her legs around my center. Oh my god, you've got beautiful legs. She weighed about 138 pounds 
and hung there as I worked. It was when I climaxed that I felt the pain flying straight up my spine. I dropped her on the couch and walked around the room. The pain remained. Look, I told her, you better go. I've got to develop some film in my dark room. She dressed and left, and I walked into the kitchen for a glass of water. I got a glass full in my left hand, and the pain ran up behind my ears, and I dropped the glass which broke on the floor. I got into the tub full of hot water and Epsom salts. I just stretched out when the phone rang. As I tried to straighten my back, the pain extended to my neck and arms. I flopped about, gripped the sides of the tub, got out. With shots of green and yellow and red light whirling in my head, the phone kept ringing. I picked it up. Hello? I love you, she said. Thanks, I said. Is that all you've got to say? Yes. Eat shit, she said and hung up. Love dries up, I thought, as I walked back to the bathroom about as fast as sperm. As fast as sperm. Walked back to the bathroom as fast as sperm. Cheers. This one's called a made, I made a mistake. I want a cigarette so fucking bad. I made a mistake. I reached up into the top of the closet and took out a pair of blue panties and showed them to her and asked, are these yours? And she looked and said, no. Those belong to a dog. She left after that, and I haven't seen her since. She's not at her place. I kept going there, leaving notes stuck into the door. I go back, and the notes are still there. I make the Maltese cross, cut it down from my car mirror, tie it to her doorknob with a shoelace, leave a book of poems. When I got back the next, and everything was still there. I kept searching the street for that blood wine battleship she dives with a weak battery, drives with a weak battery, and the doors hanging from broken hinges. I drive around the streets an inch away from weeping, ashamed of my sentimentality, impossible love. A confused old man driving in the rain, wondering where the good luck went. This one's called Money. I always had trouble with money. This one place I worked, everybody ate hot dogs and potato chips in the company cafeteria for three days before each payday. I wanted steaks. I even wanted to see the manager of the cafeteria and demanded that he serve steaks. He refused. I forgot payday. I had a rate of, ad of absenteeism and payday would arrive and everybody would start talking about it. Payday, I'd say. Hell, is this payday? I forgot to pick up my last check. Stop the bullshit, mean man. No, no, I mean it. I jump up and down to payroll and sure enough, there'd be a check and i come back just to show it to them. Jesus Christ, I forgot all about it. For some reason, they'd get angry. Then the payroll clerk would come around. I'd have two checks. Jesus, I'd say, two checks. And they were angry. Some of them were working two jobs. The worst day. It was raining very hard. I didn't have a raincoat, so I put on a very old coat I hadn't worn for months. And I walked in a little late. While they were working, I looked in the coat for some cigarettes and found a $5 bill in the side pocket. Hey, look, I said. I just found a $5 bill. I didn't know I had. That's funny. Hey, man, knock off the shit. No, no, I'm serious, really. I remember wearing this coat when I got drunk at the bars. I've been rolled too often. I got this fear. I take money out of my wallet and hide it all over me. Sit down and get to work. I reach to an inside pocket. Hey, look, here's a 20. <clears throat> God, here's a 20 I never knew I had. I'm rich. 
You're not funny, son of a bitch. Hey, my God, here's another 20. Too much, too, too much. I knew I didn't spend all the money that night. I thought I'd been rolled again. I kept searching the coat. Hey, there's a 10. Here's a fiver, my God. Listen, I'm telling you to sit down and shut up. My God, I'm rich. I don't even need this job. Man, sit down. I found another 10 after. I sat down, but I didn't say anything. I could feel waves of hatred. I was confused. They believed I had plotted the whole thing just to make them feel bad. I didn't want to. People who live on hot dogs and potato chips for three days before payday feel bad enough. I sat down, leaned forward, and began to go to work. Outside, it continued to rain. I'm thinking that was probably at the post office? Where he retired from? Just when he was starting to make it, I would imagine. Was it a post office? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a post office that he worked at before he retired when he started getting paid for writing in like his early 50s, I believe. I'm not sure. Fucked if I know. That's Pikowski. Thank you for joining. Thank you for watching. You're 18 minutes in. That's pretty sweet. My fucking cat is jumping on the Christmas tree. This one's called Metamorphosis. A girlfriend came in, built me a bed, scrubbed and waxed the kitchen floor, scrubbed the walls, vacuumed, cleaned the toilet, the bathtub, scrubbed the bathroom floor, and cut my toenails and hair. Then, all on the same day, the plumber came and fixed the kitchen faucet and the toilet, and the gas man fixed the heater, and the phone man fixed the phone. Now I sit here in all this perfection. It is quiet. I have broken off with all three of my girlfriends. I felt better when everything was in disorder. It will take some months to get back to normal. I can't even find a roach to commune with. I have lost my rhythm. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I have been robbed of my filth. Some people succeed in disorder. I'm kind of one of those guys. I'm kind of one of those guys. And once again, if you're just joining us now, which it doesn't look like anybody is, Tammy's watching. Thanks, Tammy. Uh, we're reading some Bukowski. I'm reading out of the book, The uh, Essential Bukowski. It's a collection of the favorite Bukowski poems of this guy named Abel de Brito. Mix a drink. Take a shot. Smoke a joint. Have a smoke. Do whatever you do. We're having fun. If you're not enjoying yourself, get the fuck out of here. That's what I'm telling you. If you're sitting here thinking, oh, that poem was uh, so fantastic and it really resonated with my fuck off. Just get the fuck out of here. If you're not having a good time, I don't want you here. So please leave. We've got to communicate. He was a very sensitive man, she told me. And after he split with Andrea, he kept her panties under his pillow and each night he kissed them and cried. <laughs> Look at you. Look at that expression on your face. You don't like what I just said, and do you want to know why? It's because you're afraid. It takes a man to admit his feelings. I see you watching women getting in and out of their cars, hop, hoping their skirts will climb up so you can see their legs. You're like a schoolboy, a peep freak. <coughs> and worse than that, just like to think about sex. You really don't want to do it. It's only work to you. You'd rather stare and imagine. You don't even like to suck my breasts. And you don't even like to see a woman doing things in the bathroom. Is there something wrong with bodily functions? <coughs> don't you have bodily functions? 
Jesus Christ, my sisters warned me about you. They told me what you were like. I didn't believe them. Hell, you look like a man. All your books, thousands of poems, and what do you know? You're afraid to look at a woman's pussy. All you can do is drink. Do you think it takes any guts to drink? Here, I've given you five years of my life. And what do you do? You won't even discuss things with me. You're charming enough when we have a party, that is, if you're in the mood. You can really talk your shit. But look at you now. Not a sound out of you. You just sit in a chair over there and pour drink after drink. Well, I've had it. I'm going to get myself somebody real. Somebody who can discuss things with me. Somebody who can say, well, look, Paula, I realize that we are having some problems, and maybe if we talk about them, we can understand each other better and make things work. Not you. Look at you. Why don't you say something? Sure. Drink it down. That's all you know how to do. Tell me. What's wrong with a woman's pussy? My mother left my father because he was like you. All he did was drink and play with horses. Play the horses. Not with horses. Play the horses. Just for the record. Well, he almost went crazy after she left him. He pleaded and pleaded and pleaded for her to come back. He even pretended he was dying of cancer just to get her to come see him. They didn't fool her. She went and got herself a decent man. She's with him now. You've met him. Lance. But no, you don't like Lance, do you? He wears a necktie and he's into real estate. Well, he doesn't like you either, but mother loves him. And what do you know about love? It's a dirty word to you. Love. You don't even like. You don't like your country. You don't like the movies. You don't like to dance. You don't like to drive on freeways. You don't like children. You don't look at people. All you do is sit in the chair and drink and figure systems to beat the horses. If there's anything duller and dumber than the horses, you will let me know. You just tell me. All you know how to do is wake up sick each morning. You can't get out of bed until you, at noon, drink some whiskey. You drink scotch. You drink beer. You drink wine. You drink vodka. You drink gin. And what does it mean? Your health gets worse and worse. Your left thumb is dead. Your liver is shot. You have high blood pressure, hemorrhoids, ulcers, and Christ knows what else. And when I try to talk to you, you can't take it. And you run to your place and take the phone off the hook and put your symphony records and drink yourself to sleep. And then you wake up sick at noon and phone and say you're dying and that you're sorry and that you want to see me. And then I come over and you're so contrite, you're not even human. Oh, you can be charming when you're sick and in trouble. You can be humorous. You can make me laugh. You win me back again and again. But look at you now. All you want is one more drink and then one more drink and you won't talk to me. You just keep lighting cigarettes and looking around the room. Don't you want to work at making our relationship better? Tell me. Why are you afraid of a woman's pussy? Why are you afraid of a woman's pussy? That was very familiar. Sounded like my bitchy ex-wife bitching at me. Fucking bitch. This one is called The Secret of My Endurance. I still get letters in the mail, mostly from cracked up men in tiny rooms of factory jobs or no jobs who are living with whores or no woman at all, no hope, just booze and madness. <clears throat> Most of their letters are online papers written with an unsharpened pencil or an in ink. 
in, in tiny handwriting that slants to the left. And the paper is often torn, usually halfway up the middle. And they say they like my stuff. I've written from where it's at. And they recognize that, truly. I've given them a second chance, some recognition of where they're at. It's true. I was here. Worse off than most of them. But I wonder if they realize where the letters arrive. Well, they are dropped into a box behind a six-foot hedge with a long driveway leading to a two-guard garage, rose garden, fruit trees, animals, a beautiful woman, mortgage boat half paid a year, and a new car. Fireplace and a green rug two inches thick with a young boy to write my stuff now. I keep him in a ten-foot cage with a typewriter. Feed him whiskey and raw whores. Belts him pretty good three or four times a week. I'm 59 years old now, and the critics say my stuff is getting better than ever. What a fucking success story. Yeah, Tammy, get letters in here. Message letters and tell her to come. I'm, I'm still, we're only, we're not even half an hour in. I got so much shit left to read. We're going to be going for a while. So, cheers. Make sure to sit back and relax, have some fun, shoot the shit, smoke a dart, smoke a joint. Whatever you do to feel good and relax, I don't care what it is, it can be the worst thing ever. Just do it. This is Bukowski. Cheers, everybody. Carson McCullers. She died of alcoholism wrapped in a blanket on a deck chair in an overseas steamer. All her books of terrified loneliness. All her books about the cruelty of the loveless lover were all that were left of her. As the rolling vacationer discovered her body, notified the captain, and she was dispatched somewhere else upon the ship. As everything else continued, as she had written it. Just as she had written it. Fuck, I hate sad shit. I hate when people write about sad shit. It's cool. If, if you got to write about something sad, something bad happened, you want to write a poem about it, I get it. But if it's non-stop fucking sad, the words got to snap. They got to engage. They got to get the reader. That's why Bukowski's a fucking man, because he keeps you engaged and keeps you listening. That's why I love reading him. Every word fucking counts. Every single fucking word fucking counts. If you're going to write poems, make them fucking count. Every single word. This next one's called Sparks. I need another drink. I'm just going to chug this one. know what the worst thing is about getting diabetes? It's having to give up beer. know what is the fucking worst part about getting old is you have to give up shit that you love if you want to keep on living. Unbelievable. This one's called Sparks. The factory off Santa Fe Avenue was best. We packed heavy lighting fixtures into long boxes then flipped them into stacks six high. Then the loaders would come by, clear your table, and you'd go for the next six. <clears throat> Ten hours a day. <clears throat> Four on Saturday. The pay was union. Pretty good for an unskilled labor. If you didn't come in with muscles, <clears throat> you got them soon enough. 
Most of us in white t-shirts and jeans, cigarettes dangling, sneaking beers management looking the other way. Not many whites. The whites didn't last. Lousy workers. Mostly Mexicans and blacks. Cool and mean. Now and then a blade flashed or somebody got punched out. Management looking the other way. The few whites who lasted were crazy. The work got done, and the young Mexican girls kept us cheerful and hoping their eyes flashing small messages from the assembly line. I was one of the crazy whites who lasted. I was a good worker, just for the rhythm of it, just for the hell of it. And after 10 hours of heavy labor, after exchanging insults, living through skirmishes with those not cool enough to abide, we left still fresh. We climbed into our old automobiles to go to our places to drink half the night to fight with our women. To return the next morning to punch in, knowing we were suckers making the rich richer, we swaggered in our white t-shirts and jeans, gliding past the young Mexican girls. We were mean and perfect for what we were. Hung over. We could very damn well do the job. But it didn't touch us ever. Those tin walls. The sound of drills and cutting blades. The sparks. We were some gang in that death ballet. We were magnificent. We gave them better than they asked. Yet... We gave them nothing. We gave them nothing. It reminds me of when I worked in a warehouse one time. And I didn't last long. I was not. I was a crazy white who didn't last. And uh, there were lots of Mexicans and black guys who worked there. I guess that's kind of a point. I never really thought about it. But I was driving one of these, like, uh, fucking... Like, uh, it's like, it's kind of like a, like a fucking, uh, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? It's like a hydraulic forklift. You can go up and down. You can go up like 30 feet to re reach shit on shelves. It is 30 feet up in the air. It's not an actually actual forklift. Like you don't need a forklift to, to fucking, uh, to, you don't need a license to drive this thing. I, I just came in off the street and got the job and I, didn't, I was shitty at the job and I was taking a corner and I hit one of the fucking posts of one of the shelves and it fucking smashed and all the shit and I'm, I'm harnessed in so I couldn't move so I tried to run and I like fell back and all the shit from the shelves comes falling down around me. I quit that day. I quit that day. I'm probably a legend in that fucking place. I worked there for like maybe six months and I, uh, I fucked up bad. It reminded me of that. It took me back to those times. Fuck, that was scary. Fuck, though. crazy this next one is called the history of a tough motherfucker he came to the door one night wet bony beaten and terrorized a white crossed eye talus cat i took him and fed him and he stayed got to trust until a friend drove up in the driveway and ran him over i took what was left to a vet who said not much chance give him these pills and wait his backbone is crushed it was crushed once before, but somehow melded. If he lives, he'll never walk again. Look at those x-rays. He's been shot. Look here. The pellets are still in him. Also, he once had a tail. Somebody cut it off. I took the cat back. It was a hot summer. One of the hottest summers in decades. I put him on the bathroom floor. Gave him water and pills. He wouldn't eat. <coughs> he wouldn't touch the water. I dipped my finger into the wet of his mouth and talked to him. I didn't go anywhere. I put a lot of bathroom time and I talked to him gently and touched him 
and he just looked back at me with those pale blue crossed eyes as days went by. He made his first move, dragging himself towards by his front legs. The rear ones wouldn't move. He made it to the litter box, crawled over and in. That was like the horns of chance and possible victory blowing away in the bathroom and into the city. I related to that, cat. I had it bad. Not that kind of bad, but bad enough. One morning he got up, stood up, fell back down, and he just looked at me. You make it, man, I said to him. You're a good one. He kept trying it, getting up and falling down. Finally, he walked a few steps. He was like a drunk weaving. The rear legs just didn't want to do it, and he fell again, rested, then got up. You know the rest. Now he's better than ever. Cross-eyed, almost toothless, all the graces back, and a look in his eyes never left. And now sometimes I'm interviewed. They want to hear about life and literature. And I get drunk and hold up my cross-eyed shot, run over detailed cat before them and say, look, look, look at this. But they don't understand. They say something like, you say you've been influenced by Celine. <laughs> no, I hold the cat before them. By what happens? By things like this. By this. By this. Ooh, that fucking cat is tough as hell. I wobble the cat holding him up under the front legs in the smoky and drunken light. He relaxed. He knows things. It's about then that almost all the interviews end. Although I am very proud sometimes when I see the interviews later, and there I am, and there is this cat, and we are photographed together. He knows it's bullshit too, but it helps the old cat food, right? Oh my god. Classic. We got a Bukowski micro coming up. Not a lot of Bukowski micros, so this is uh, something to appreciate. Cheers. We got someone else watching right now, so I appreciate that. Is it letters, or is it someone else? Announce yourself, I see. Whoever you are, pour yourself a drink. Sit back and relax. We're reading some Charles Bukowski. My name is Conscience. Thank you for subscribing and hitting that notification bell so I can bring you videos just like this in the future. This one's called, Oh Yes. There are worse things than being alone. But it often takes decades to realize this. And most often when you do, it's too late. And there's nothing worse than too late. Next one's called Retirement. Cheers. You know what, I think we're going to play a little drinking game. Watch this video in the future and every time I, take, I say cheers, take a shot. And I guarantee you by the end of this video, you will be fucking shit-faced. Cheers. Rest in peace, Charles Bukowski. This one's called Retirement. Pork chops, said my father. I love pork chops. And I watched him slide the grease into his mouth. Pancakes, he said. Pancakes with syrup. Butter and bacon. I watched his lips heavy wetted with all that. <clears throat> coffee, he said. I like coffee so hot it burns my throat. Sometimes it was too hot, and he spit it out across the table. Mashed potatoes and gravy, he said. I love mashed potatoes and gravy. He jowled that in. His cheeks puffed as he had the mumps. Chili and beans, he said. I love chili and beans. And he gulped it down and farted for hours loudly, grinning after each fart. Strawberry shortcake, he said, with vanilla ice cream. That's the way to end a meal. He always talked about retirement, about what he was going to do when he retired. 
When he wasn't talking about food, he talked on and about retirement. He never made it to retirement. He died while they he died one day while standing at the sink. Filling a glass of water, he straightened like a, he'd been shot. The glass fell from his hand and he dropped backwards, landing flat. His necktie slipping to the left. Afterwards, people said they couldn't believe it. He looked great. Distinguished white sideburns, pack of smokes in his shirt pocket. Always cracking jokes. Maybe a little loud, maybe a little bit of bad temper. But all in all, a seemingly sound individual. Never missing a day of work. This next one's called luck. Cheers, which means you have to take another shot. I guess that's how it goes. This one's called luck. Oh, I want a cigarette so bad. Fuck, I want a cigarette so bad. Nice, Tammy. Nice. Luck. Once we were young, at this machine, drinking, smoking, typing. It was the most splendid, miraculous time. Still is. Only now, instead of moving forward in time, it moves toward us. Makes each word drill into the paper. Clear, fast, hard, feeding a closing space. If you want justice, take the knife. Undoubtedly, we are alone forever alone and we belong that way it was never meant to be any other way i wouldn't want anybody waving fronds over my ass on a hot summer's night i'll take the heat straight and when the time of death arrives the last thing i wish to see is a ring of human faces about me better my old friends the walls if they if they be there i have i have been alone but seldom lonely i have partaken of the well of myself and the drinks were good the best I've had, and tonight sitting, staring into the darkness, I know the darkness and the light, the in-between, and in spite of finding a similarity between most dung and most people, I have been nearly content with the offerings. The luck of goodness arrives with accepting the unwanted, being born into this fix, the wasted gamble of our joy, the pleasure of leaving, cry not for me but for tears, grieve not for me but for grief, read what I've written then forget it. Memory is a trap. Look at the walls and begin again. Look at the walls and begin again. Cornered. <coughs> Cheers. Take another shot. Cornered. Well, they said it would come to this. Old, talent gone, fumbling for the word. Hearing the dark footsteps, I turn, look behind me. Not yet, old dog. Soon enough. Now, they sit talking about me. Yes, it happened. He's finished. It's sad. He never had a great deal, did he? Well, no. But now, now, they are celebrating my demise in taverns I no longer frequent. Now I drink alone at this malfunctioning machine as the shadows assume shapes. I fight the slow retreat. Now, my once promise dwindling, dwindling, now lighting new cigarettes, pouring more drinks. 
It has been a beautiful fight. Still is. This next one called, How Is Your Heart? Fucking vodka sodas. Oh, how this diabetic craves a beer. This one's called, How Is Your Heart? During my worst times on the park benches in the jails or living with whores, I always had this certain contentment. I wouldn't call it happiness. It was more of an inner balance that settled for whatever was occurring and it helped me in the factories and when relationships went wrong with the girls. It helped through the wars and the hangovers and the back alley fights, the hospitals, to awaken in a cheap room in a strange city and pull up the shade. This was the craziest kind of contentment, and to walk across the floor to an old dresser with a cracked mirror, see myself ugly, grinning at it all. <clears throat> what matters most is how well you walk through the fire. How well you walk through the fire. That's a great, that's great. Cheers to that. Cheers. This one's called The Burning of the Dream. The old LA public library burned down. That main library downtown, and with it went a large part of my youth. I sat on one of those stone benches there with my friend. Badly when he asked, you gonna join Abraham Lincoln Brigade? Sure, I told him. But realizing that I wasn't an intellectual or a political idealist, I backed off on that one. I was a reader then, going from room to room, literature, philosophy, religion, even medicine and geology. Early on, I decided to be a writer. I thought it might be the easy way out, and the big boy novelist didn't look too tough to me. I had more trouble with Hegel and Kant. The thing that bothered me about everybody is that they took too long to finally say something lively or interesting. I thought I had it over everybody then. I was to find two things. A, most publishers thought anything boring had something to do with things profound. B, that it would take decades of living and writing before I would be able to put down a sentence that was anywhere near what I wanted it to be. Meanwhile, while other young men chased the ladies, I chased the old books. I was a bibliophile, albeit a dischanted one, and this, one, this in the world shaped me. The old downtown library was a place for me to be. However, at least during the days, hungover and malnourished, I lived in a plywood hut being a room house for three fifty a week, feeling like Thomas Chatterton stuffed inside some Thomas Wolfe. My greatest problem was stamps, envelopes, paper, and wine. With the world on the edge of World War II, I hadn't yet been, been confused by a female. I was a virgin, and I wrote from three to five short stories a week, and they all came back. The New Yorker, Harper's, The Atlantic, Monthly, I had Redware, Ford Maddox, Ford used to paper. His bathroom was his rejection slips, but I didn't have a bathroom, so I stuck them into a drawer. Until they got so fat with them that I could barely open it. So I took all the rejects out and threw them away along the stories. Still, the old L.A. public library was my home. And the home of many other bums. We discreetly used restrooms and wiped our bungholes carefully, and the ones, the only ones of us to be evicted 
were those who fell asleep in the library. Tables. Nobody snores like a bum. Unless it's somebody you're married to. Well, I wasn't quite a bum. I had a library card, and I checked books in and out, rapidly large stacks of them, always going the full limit. Aloud, and I checked in the fellows and out. Aldous Huxley, D.H. Lawrence, E.E. E. Cummings, Conrad Aiken, Theodore Doss, Doss Passos, Turgenev, Gorky, H.D., Freddie Nietzsche, Art, Schopenhauer, Robert Greene, Ingersoll, Steinbeck, Hemingway, and so forth. I always expected a librarian to say, nice taste there, young man. But the old, fried, and wasted bitch didn't even know who she was, let alone me. But those walls had some tremendous grace. They allowed me to discover the early Chinese poets like Tufu and Li Po, who could say more in one line than most could say in 30 or ever. Sherwood Anderson must have read these two. I also carried the cantos in and out, and Ezra helped me strengthen my arms, if not my brain. That place, the old L.A. Public Library. It was home for a person who had a hell of a home. Brooks too broad for leaping, far from the madding crowd, point counterpoint, the heart is a lonely hunter. James Thurber, John Fonte, Rebelais, and Mospassant. Some didn't work for me. Shakespeare, G.B. Shaw, Tolstoy, Robert E. Frost, F. Scott, Fitzgerald. Upton Sinclair worked better for me than Sinclair Lewis, and I considered Gogol and Dreiser complete flops. But such judgments happen more from a man's inbred and or forced manner of living than his own reason. The old L.A. public most probably kept me from becoming a suicide, a bank robber, a wife beater, a butcher, a motorcycle policeman. And even though some of these might have been some fine qualities, it is, I think, thanks to my luck and my way that this library was there when I was young and looking to hold on to something when there seemed very little about. And when I opened the newspaper and read of the fire which almost destroyed the city library and most of its contents, I said to my wife, I used to hang out there. The Prussian officer, the daring young man on the flying trapeze to have and have not. You can't go home again. Think about that. That's fucking as intense as it gets. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Mind of his conscience for reading some Bukowski. If you're just joining us now. This one is called Hell is a Lonely Place. He was 65. His wife was 66. Had Alzheimer's disease. He had cancer of the mouth. <coughs> There were operations, radiation treatments, which decayed the bones in his jaw, which then had to be wired. Daily, he put his wife in rubber diapers, like a baby. Unable to drive in his condition, he had to take a taxi to the medical center, had difficulty speaking, had to write directions down. On his last visit, they informed her there would be another operation, a bit more of the inner left cheek and a bit more of the tongue. When he returned, he changed his wife's diapers, put on the TV dinners, watched the evening news, then went to the bedroom, got the gun, put it to her temple, and fired. She fell to the left. He sat up on the couch, put the gun into his mouth, pulled the trigger. The shots didn't arouse the neighbors. Later, 
the burning TV dinners did. Somebody arrived, pushed the door open, and saw it. Soon, the police arrived and went through the routine, found some items, a closed savings account, and a checkbook with a balance of $1.14. Suicide, they deduced. In three weeks, there were two new tenants, a computer engineer named Ross and his wife, Anatana, who studied ballet. They looked like another upwardly mobile pair. Hey, what's up, Tuttle? Reading some Bukowski. Welcome. Bukowski doesn't really get as much play as he should, so I'm doing this kind of solo. My friend Tammy was watching for a while. I'm not sure what happened to her. She's drinking whiskey, so who the fuck knows? Cheers. Pour yourself a drink. Sit back and relax. We're reading some Charles Bukowski. This next one is called The Strongest of the Strange. You know what? I want to smoke fucking bad, but this vaporizer thing actually kind of does a trick. It takes the edge off. The Strongest of the Strange. You won't see them often, for wherever the crowd is, they are not. These odd ones. Not many, but from them come the few good paintings, the few good symphonies, the few good books and other works. And from the best of the strange ones, perhaps nothing. They have their own paintings, their own books, their own music, their own work. Sometimes I think I see them, say a certain old man sitting on a certain bench in a certain way, or a quick face going the other way in a passing automobile, or there's a certain motion of the hands of the bag boy or the bag girl while packing supermarket groceries. Sometimes, it is even somebody you have been living with for some time, you will notice a lightning quick glance, never seen from them before. Sometimes you will only note their presence suddenly in a quite vivid recall some months, some years after they are gone. I remember such one. He was about 20 years old, drunk at 10 a.m., staring into a cracked New Orleans mirror, face dreaming against the walls of the world. Where did I go? Wow. Wow. Tammy, you got some more whiskey? Tammy is here. We had my buddy Tuttle from the island. He lives in a uh, little south of me. Some people say that where he lives is North Island, but it's not really North Island. It's South Island compared to where I am. I'm a poet from Vancouver Island. I live on North Island, BC. Used to live in Ontario. Actually, uh, Tuttle here has been a friend of mine. Since uh, I started getting banned from Instagram, I'm currently banned from Instagram. So if you like poetry that is kind of against the grain, Instagram bans me on a regular basis. Right now, I am banned for going live, and I just had several posts of mine taken down. Maybe I should take this time. We're 52 minutes in. If you'd like to support what I'm doing, and if you like Bukowski, uh, you might like my work too. It's called The Book of a Thousand Poles, Volume 1 through 4. You can buy that at uh, Target, at Walmart. <coughs> at uh, Barnes and Noble. It's available on Amazon worldwide. You can get anywhere. Support this channel. It's the only way I can make money. I don't work. I'm a fucking writer. <clears throat> this one's called Eat Couch. From my bed, I watch three birds on a telephone wire. One flies off, then another. One is left. Then it too is gone. My typewriter is tombstone still. And I am reduced to bird watching. Just though I'd let you know. Just thought I'd let you know. Fucker. 
motherfucker. <laughs> uh, we ain't got no money, honey, but we got rain. Call it the greenhouse effect, or whatever, but it still doesn't rain like it used to. I particularly remember the rains of Depression era. There wasn't any money, but there was plenty of rain. It wouldn't rain for just a night or a day. It would rain for seven days or seven nights. And in Los Angeles, the storm drains weren't built to carry of that much water. And the rain came down thick and mean and steady. And you heard it banging against the roofs and into the ground. Waterfalls of it came down from the roofs. And often there was hail, big rocks of ice. Bombing, exploding, smashing into things. And the rain just wouldn't stop. And all the roofs linked, leaked. Dishpans, cooking pots were placed all about. They dripped loudly and had to be emptied again and again. The rain came up over the street curbings, across the lawns, climbed the steps, and entered the houses. There were mops and bathroom towels, and the rain often came through the toilets, bubbling, brown, crazy, whirling, and the old cars stood in the streets, cars that had problems starting on a sunny day. Jobs men stood looking out windows at the old machines dying like living things out there. The jobless men... Failures in a failing time were imprisoned in their houses with their wives and children and their pets. The pets refused to go out and left their waste in strange places. The jobless men went mad, confined with their once beautiful wives. There were terrible arguments as notices of foreclosure fell into the mailbox. Rain and hail, cans of beans, bread without butter, fried eggs, boiled eggs, poached eggs, peanut butter sandwiches, and an invisible chicken in every pot. My father... Never a good man at best. Beat my mother when it rained, as I threw myself between them, the legs, the knees, the screams, until they were separated. I'll kill you, I screamed at him. You hit her again and I'll kill you. Get that son of a bitching kid out of here. No, Henry. You stay with your mother. All the households were under siege, but I believe that ours held more terror than the average. And at night... As we attempted to sleep, the rain still came down and was in bed in the dark, watching the moon against a scarred window, so bravely holding out most of the rain. I thought of Noah in the ark, and I thought, it has come again. We all thought that, and then, at once, it would stop. And it always seems to stop around 5 or 6 a.m., peaceful then, but not in exact silence, because things then continue to drip, drip, drip. And there was no smog then by 8 a.m., there was a blazing yellow sunlight, Van Gogh yellow, crazy, blinding, and then the roof drains, relieved of the rush of water, began to expand the warmth. Pang, pang, pang! And everybody got up and looked outside. And they were all lawns, still soaked, greener than green will ever be. And there were birds on the lawn, chirping like mad. They haven't eaten decently in seven days and seven nights, and they were weary of the berries, and they waited as the worms rose to the top, half-drowned worms. The bird plucked them up and gobbled them down. There were blackbirds and sparrows. The blackbirds tried to drive off the sparrows, but the sparrows, battered with hunger, smaller and quicker, got their due. The men stood on their porches smoking cigarettes, not knowing they'd have to go out there to look for a job that probably wasn't there, to start that car that probably wouldn't start. And the once beautiful wives stood in their bathrooms, combing their hair, applying makeup, trying to put the world back together again, trying to forget that awful sadness that gripped them, wondering what they could fix for breakfast. And on the radio, 
we were told that school was now open. And soon, there was on the way to school massive puddles in the street. The sun like a new world. My parents back in that house. I arrived at my classroom on time. Mrs. Sorensen greeted us with, We won't have our usual recess. The grounds are too wet. Ah, oh, most of the boys went. But we were going to do something special at recess. She went on, and it will be fun. Well, we all wondered what it would be. And the two-hour wait seemed long as Mrs. Sorensen went about teaching her lessons. I looked at the little girls. They all looked pretty and clean and alert. They sat still and straight, and their hair was beautiful in the California sunshine. Then the recess bell rang, and we all waited for the fun. Mrs. Sorensen told us, Now what we are going to do is we are going to tell each other what we did during the rainstorm. We'll begin in the front of the row and go right around. Now, Michael, you're first. Well, we all began to tell our stories. Michael began, and it went on and on, and soon we realized that we were all lying. Not exactly lying, mostly lying. And some of the boys began to snicker, and some of the girls began to give them dirty looks. And Mrs. Sorensen said, All right, I demand a modicum of silence here. I'm interested in what you did during the rainstorm, even if you aren't. So we had to tell our stories, and they were stories. One girl said when the rainbow first came, she saw God's face at the end of it. Only she didn't say which end. One boy said he stuck his fishing pole out the window and caught a little fish and fed it to his cat. Almost everybody told a lie. The truth was just too awful and embarrassing to tell. Then the bell rang and recess was over. Thank you, Mrs. Sorensen. That was very nice. And tomorrow's grounds will be dry. And we will put them to use again. Most of the boys cheered. And the little girls sat very straight and still, looking so pretty and clean and alert, their hair beautiful in that sunshine, the world might never see again. The world might never see again. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for making it an hour into my Bukowski reading. I'm almost done this book, so I don't even know if we're going to go for two hours, but I'm, I'm planning on going for two hours. Uh, Mike, thank you for buying my book. You bought all my books, man. I appreciate you. You've been buying my books for fucking years. You've been buying my book for fucking years, and I have signed some of your books that you've bought. If you buy my new one, I'll when I come down to Campbell River to go to Walmart or whatever, we can meet up and have a coffee, and I'll sign it for you. How about that? This one's called Flophouse. You haven't lived until you've been in a flophouse with nothing but one light bulb and 56 men squeezed together on cots with everybody snoring at once and some of those snores so deep and gross and unbelievably dark, snotty, gross, human, subhuman wheezings from hell itself. Your mind almost breaks under that sound. And the intermingling stinks hard. <coughs> Unwashed socks, pissed and shitted underwear. And all over it all, slowly circulating air. Much like that emanating from uncovered garbage bait cans. And those bodies in the dark. Fat and thin and twisted. Some lagless, armless, some mindless. The worst of all, the total absence of hope. It shrouds them, covers them totally. It's not worth it. You get up, go out, walk the streets, up and down sidewalks, past buildings, around the corner, and back up the same street, thinking these men were all children once. What has happened to them? And what has happened to me? It's dark. 
and cold out here. Cheers, everybody. This one's called The Soldier, His Wife, and the Bum. I was a bum in San Francisco, but once managed to go to a symphony concert along with well-dressed people. And the music was good, but something about the audience was not. And something about the orchestra and the conductor was not. Although the building was fine and the acoustics perfect, I preferred to listen to the music alone on my radio. And afterwards, I did go back to my room. I turned off the radio, but then there was a pounding on the wall. Shut that goddamn thing off. There was a soldier in the next room living with his wife, and he would soon be going over there to protect me from Hitler. So I snapped the radio off and then heard his wife say, you shouldn't have done that. And the soldier said, fuck that guy, which I thought was a very nice thing for him to tell his wife to do. <laughs> of course, she never did. Anyhow, I never went to another live concert, and I always listened to the radio very quietly, my ear pressed to the speaker. War has its price and millions of young men everywhere would die. And as I listened to the classical music, I heard them making love, desperately and mournfully through Shostakovich and Brahms, Mozart, through crescendo and climax, and through the shred of our shared wall of our darkness. This one's called No Leaders. Invent yourself and then reinvent yourself. Don't sloth in the slime. Invent yourself and then reinvent yourself. Stay out of the clutches of mediocrity and self-pity. Invent yourself and then reinvent yourself. Change your tone and shape so that you can never find you. Recharge yourself. Accept continuance, but only in the terms that you have invented and reinvented. Be self-instructed. Invent life. It is you. The history of its past and the presence of its presentness. There is nothing else. Nothing. There is nothing else. Nothing. I want to smoke so bad. Make sure to uh, pour a drink. We got about probably, I'd say probably about half an hour left. I'm going to finish this book and then I'm going to read some of my poetry. So if you'd like to hear some of my poetry, uh, stick around till the end of this, uh, this book. We are reading Essential Bukowski. Put together by Abel DeBrito. Some of his favorite poems from Bukowski from all over the times. We have, we've read poems tonight and on my other video from Bukowski when he was in his 30s, when he was in his 40s, in his 50s, in his 60s, and his, I think he made it to what, 71? I think he died when he was 71. And by the time that fucker died, he fucking welcomed it. This one's called Dinosauria. We, born like this into this as the chalk faces smile, as Mrs. Death laughs, as the elevators break, as political landscapes dissolve, as a supermarket bag boy holds a college degree, and the oily fish spit out their oily prey as the sun is masked. We are born like this, into this, into these carefully mad wars, into the sight of broken factory windows of emptiness, into bars where people no longer speak to each other, into fist fights that end as shootings and knifings. 
born into this, into hospitals which are so expensive that it's cheaper to die, into lawyers who charge so much, it's cheaper to plead guilty, into a country where the jails are full of madhouses closed, into a place where the masses elevate fools into rich heroes. Born into this, walking and living through this, dying because of this, muted because of this, castrated, debauched, disinherited because of this, fooled by this, used by this, pissed on by this, made crazy and sick by this, made violent, made inhuman by this. The heart is blackened. The fingers reach out for the throat, the gun, the knife, the bomb. The fingers reach toward an unresponsive God. The fingers reach for the bottle, the pill, the powder. We are born into this sorrowful deadliness. We are born into a government 60 years in debt that soon will be unable to even pay the interest on that debt and the banks will burn. Money will be useless. There will be open and unpunished murder in the streets. It will be guns and roving mobs. Land will be useless. Food will become diminishing in return. Nuclear power will be taken over by many explosions that will continually shake the earth. Radiated robot men will stalk each other and the rich chosen will watch from, pl from space platforms. Dante's Inferno will be made to look like a children's playground. The sun will not be seen, and it will always be night. Trees will die. All vegetation will die. Radiated men will eat the flesh of radiated men, and the sea will be poisoned. The leaks and rivers will rat vanish. Rain will be the new gold. The rotting bodies of men and animals will stink in the dark wind. The last few survivors will be overtaken by a new hideous diseases. And the space platforms will be destroyed by attrition and petering out supplies, the natural effect of general decay. And there will be the most beautiful silence never heard. Born out of that, the sun's still hidden there, awaiting the next chapter. <coughs> wow. Fuck, that's intense. Oh, fuck. Wow. <sighs> Cheers. <sighs> this one's called Not Our Nirvana. It goes like this. Not much chance. Completely cut loose from purpose. He was a young man riding a bus through North Carolina on the way somewhere, and it began to snow, and the bus stopped at a little cafe in the hills, and the passengers entered. He sat at the counter with the others. He ordered, and the food arrived. The meal was particularly good, and the coffee. The waitress was unlike the women he had known. She was unaffected. <coughs> There was a natural humor which came from her. <coughs> the fry cook said crazy things. <coughs> the dishwasher in back laughed. <coughs> a good, clean, pleasant laugh. The young man watched the snow through the windows. He wanted to stay in that cafe forever. The curious feeling swam through him that everything was beautiful there. That it would always stay beautiful there. Then the bus driver told the passengers that it was time to board. The young man thought, I'll just sit here, I'll just stay here. But then he rose and followed the others into the bus. He found a seat and looked at the cafe through the bus window. 
Then the bus moved off, down a curve, downward, out the hills. The young man looked straight forward. He heard the other passengers speaking of other things, or they were reading or attempting to sleep. They had not noticed the magic. The young man put his head onto one side, closed his eyes, pretended to sleep. There was nothing else to do. Just listen to the sound of the engine, the sound of the tires in the snow. This one's called The Bluebird. Oh, this is a classic. This is a fucking classic. I cannot wait to read this. Cheers. Cheers to The Bluebird. Rest in peace for Pat Bukowski. I love you. My name is Conscience. We're reading some Charles Bukowski. The Bluebird. One of the, one of the fucking classics. The Bluebird. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out. But I'm too tough for him, I say. Stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody else see you. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out. But I pour whiskey on him and inhale the cigarette smoke. And the horrors and the bartenders and the grocery clerks never know that he's in there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out. But I'm too tough for him, I say. Stay down. Do you want to mess me up? You want to screw up the works? You want to blow my book sales in Europe? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out. But I'm too clever. I only let him out night at night sometimes when everybody's asleep. I say, I know that you're there, so don't be sad. Then I put him back, but he's singing a little in there. I haven't quite let him die. And when we sleep together, like that, with our perfect secret pact, and it's nice enough to make a man weep, but I don't weep. Do you? The question is, do you have a bluebird in your heart? I don't think everybody does. Do you want to come say hello to my crowd, buddy? Come here. We're saying, do you have a bluebird in your heart? As in, do you have something special inside you that needs to get out sometimes? And I think you do. Do you? No. What's special inside you that you need to get out? Mm, nothing. Nothing? No. There's nothing special inside you? No. Not at all? No. Isn't that something? That's prophetic, to say the least. How are your, uh, your uh, cheese fish? Yeah? Are you being good for mom? Uh. Are you following the rules and listening to her? Yeah. Good. Can I have a kiss? Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you. Have a good night. Have a good night. Love you, baby. The Bluebird. Oh, I lost my, I think I lost my page. Anyway, that's my son. He's the man. Uh, the Bluebird was our last one that we read. Um, there we go. I found my spot. I found my spot. Okay, cheers. Oh, that's great. Okay, this one is called The Secret. 
Don't worry. Nobody has a beautiful lady. Not really. And nobody has a strange hidden power. Nobody is exceptional or wonderful or magic. They only seem to be. It's all a trick. An in. A con. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. The world is packed with billions of people whose lives and deaths are useless. And when one of these jumps up to the light of history shines upon them. Forget it. It's not what it seems. It's just another act of fool the fools again. <coughs> there are no strong men. <coughs> there are no beautiful women. At least you can die knowing this. And you will have the only possible victory. Unbelievable. Okay. I want a cigarette pretty bad. Does anybody else want a cigarette? I'm going to keep on hitting this vaporizer because you know what? I'll say I'm, I'm a 25-year smoker, totally addicted to cigarettes, and these fucking things work. These, these little fucking vaporizers work. They do. Takes the edge off. Tammy's smoking a bowl. That's good. Is, uh, Tammy, is weed decriminalized or legal in Texas? Or are you in Arizona? You're you're in Texas. Is weed legal in Texas? Or are you breaking the fucking law? I'm in Canada, so obviously it's very legal here. But are, is weed legal in Texas? I have no idea. Anyway, we'll wait to hear back from Tammy. I'll get back to you on about if uh, Texas is legal weed. I'm not really sure. This one's called Fan Letter. I've been reading you for a long time now. I just put Billy Boy to bed. He got seven mean ticks from somewhere. I got two. My husband, Benny, he got three. Some of us love bugs. Others hate them. Benny writes poems. He was in the same magazine as you once. Benny is the world's greatest writer, but he's got a temper. He gave a reading once and somebody laughed at one of his serious poems and Benny took his thing out right there and pissed on stage. He says you write good but he couldn't carry his balls in a paper bag. Anyhow, I made a big pot of marmalade tonight. We all just love marmalade here. Benny lost his job yesterday. He told the boss to stick it up his ass. But I still got my job down at the manicure shop. You know fags come in to get their nails done. You aren't a fag, are you, Mr. Chinaski? Anyhow, I felt like writing you. Your books are red and red around here. Benny says you're an old fart. You write pretty good, but you couldn't carry his balls in a paper sack. Do you like bugs, Mr. Shinaski? I think the marmalade is cool enough to eat now, so goodbye. Dora. So, weed is not legal in Texas. That's surprising. I, uh, it's very surprising. Weed is not legal in Texas. Not legal in Texas. No idea. Like, we got lots of stores to buy weed in Canada. You can just go to the store and buy some weed. But I still get mine illegally. It's cheaper. Okay. Okay. 
We're an hour and 17 minutes in. Thank you for making it this far in the video. If you have made it this far in the video, you love Bukowski. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'm going to read some of my poetry after I'm done this book. I didn't want to read my poetry first because I wanted to do Bukowski justice. But when I finish his book, what the fuck else am I going to do? It's fucking 10.17 p.m. here on the West Coast in B.C. on Vancouver Island. Hey, Benjamin Dre, what's up, man? Benjamin Dre is a wicked producer. I'm not sure where he's from, but me and him have done some hip-hop together, and he's a big supporter on Instagram. Watch up, Benjamin. How you doing, buddy? You know what, actually? Your name is Benjamin. My real name, my, my writing name is Conscience, but my real name is Brendan. And uh, I'm sure you've been called Benny before, and my older brother always called me Benny. So that's something we got in common. Okay. This one's called, Do You Want to Enter the Arena? If it doesn't come rushing out of you, don't do it. Unless it comes bursting out of your ears and your head and your ass and your belly button, don't do it. If you have to sit for an hour staring at your computer screen or hunched over your typewriter, don't do it. If you're doing it for money or fame, don't do it. If you're doing it because you want women in your bed, don't do it. If you have to sit there and rework it, rewrite it, don't do it. If it's hard work doing it, don't do it. If you're trying to write like somebody else, don't do it. If you have to wait for it to roar out of you, then wait. If it never roars out of you, do something else. If you have to read it to your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your parents or anybody at all, you're not ready. Don't be like so many writers. Don't be so like so many thousands of writers who call themselves writers. Don't be so dull and boring, pretentious. Don't lock yourself in with self-love. Don't work the pages to death with your crap. The libraries of the world have yawned themselves to sleep. Don't add to that. Don't do it. Unless it comes bursting through your skull like a rocket. Unless being still about world, uh, what would drive you to madness or suicide or murder. Don't do it. Unless the sun inside of you is burning your guts out. Don't do it. When it is known to you truly, it will do it by itself. And it will keep doing it until you die or it dies in you. There is no other way. There never was. Benjamin's... Okay, so his name is actually Andre. And he is from upstate New York. Cheers. I think I knew that. I actually... Sorry, man. I think you told me that. But I'm uh, I'm a little older than you. And I'm a little more brain damaged than you. And my memory isn't the best. Upstate New York. Andre, cheers. Cheers. Hopefully you had a drink in your hands. We're reading some Charles Bukowski. We're going to be taking a little interlude. We're going to play you some rock and roll. And I'm going to take a piss and grab some more drinks. Because we still got a lot of show left. My name is Conscience. Make sure to subscribe. <coughs> Hit that notification bell. I bring you hip-hop shit, poetry shit, 
podcast shit, me and Paulina do our show. If you want to listen to our podcast, that'd be sick. Uh, it's a poetry show that never ends. Look up that on any podcast app. Everything I do on Instagram, everything I do on YouTube, everything goes on that podcast. Everything Paulina does on YouTube, my partner in crime, everything she does here goes on that podcast. So look up the poetry show that never ends. It's on every single podcast app there is. This one's called The Condition Book. The long days of the track have indented themselves into me. I am the horses, the jocks. I am six furlongs, seven furlongs. I am a mile and one sixteenth. I am a handicap. I am all the colors of the silks. I am the photo finishes, the accidents, the deaths, the last place finishers, the breakdowns, the failure of a tote board, the dropped whip, and the numb pain of a dream not come true in thousands and thousands and thousands of faces. I am the long drive home in the dark, in the rain. I am decades and decades of races run and won and lost and run again. And I am myself sitting with a program and a racing form. I am the racetrack. My ribs are wooden trails. My eyes are the flashes of the tote board. My feet are hooves and there is something riding on my back. I am the last curve. I am the home stretch. I am the long shot and the favorite. I am the exacta, the daily double and the pick six. I am humanely destroyed. I am the horse player who became the racetrack. Wow. Wow. I am the horse player who became the racetrack. I don't mind a pony track here and there. I I like watching the ponies. Maybe Bukowski did too. I guess we'll never know. Rest in peace. 1991, he died. German-born American poet. We're reading Charles Bukowski. Thank you for joining me. If you've made it this far, you obviously like Bukowski. Um, Well, I guess not because I'm live right now. So if you've made it this far and I'm not live, um, then you're a fucking Bukowski fan. Mind of Gemini. What's going on? Thank you, man. Thank you for joining me. Yes. You're a big you're a big fan of my hip hop shit, and I appreciate that too. But I'm trying to bridge my two worlds of poetry and Instagram and my hip hop crew on YouTube because Instagram keeps on banning my fucking poetry. So if you want to read some of my poetry that keeps on getting banned, read it before my fucking page gets deleted at conscience underscore rights or at conscience on Instagram. Instagram fucking hates my guts. YouTube is fucking down with whatever I'm doing. Like, basically, I play copyrighted music on every single one of my... I have, like... I I probably have 600 YouTube videos. And, like, 400 of those... No, probably... No, fuck that. It's probably 550 of those have copyrighted music. And I've never got a strike or a ban ever on YouTube. However... On Instagram, I write a poem about death, and I get banned instantly. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. This one's called A New War. A different fight now. Warding off the weariness of old age. Retreating to your room. Stretching out upon the bed. There's not much will to move. It's near midnight now. Not so long ago, your night would be just beginning. But don't lament lost youth. Youth was no wonder either. 
but now it's waiting on death. It's not death that's the problem. It's the waiting. You should have been dead decades ago. The abuse you looted upon yourself was enormous and non-ending. A different fight now, yes, but nothing to mourn about, only to note. Frankly, it's even been a bit dull waiting on the blade. And to think, after I'm gone, there will be more for others. Other days, other nights, dogs walking sidewalks, trees shaking in the wind. I won't be leaving much, something to read, maybe. A wild onion in the gutted road, Paris in the dark. This one's called The Laughing Heart. Your life is your life. Don't let it be clubbed into dank submission. Be on the watch. There are ways out. There is light somewhere. It may not be much light, but it beats the darkness. Be on the watch. The gods will offer you chances. Know them. Take them. You can't beat death, but you can beat death in life. Sometimes. And the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it while you have it. You are marvelous. The gods wait to delight in you. The Laughing Heart. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Gemini. Cheers, Tammy. Cheers, Dre. This one's called Roll the Dice. If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't get into it. If you're going to try, go all the way. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe your mind. Go all the way. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail, alcoholism. It could mean derision, mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All the other is a test of your guts, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it. Against total rejection in the highest of odds, and it will be better than anything else you can think of. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like it. You will be alone with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All the way. All the way. You will ride death straight into hell. Your perfect laughter. The only good fight. Now. This one's called So Now. So Now? It's actually a question. So Now? The words have come and gone. I sit ill. The phone rings. The cats sleep. Linda vacuums. I am waiting to live, waiting to die. I wish I could ring some bravery. It's a lousy fix. But the tree outside doesn't know. I watch it moving with the wind in the late afternoon sun. There's nothing to declare here, just awaiting each faces it's alone. Oh, I once was young. Oh, I was once unbelievably young. Weren't we all? Wow. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for making this far. We're an hour, almost an hour and a half in. 
I'll be done this Spikowski book in about 10 minutes, and then we're going to read some of my poetry, so stick around if you want to hear my poetry. Um, I didn't really advertise it in the video because this is all about Bukowski, but since I'm out of book, we might as well read some of mine. This one is called The Crunch. Too much, too little, too fat, too thin or nobody. Laughter or tears, haters, lovers. Strangers with faces like the backs of thumbtacks, armies running through streets of blood. Wavering wine bottles, bayoneting and fucking virgins. Or an old guy in a cheap room with a photograph of Marilyn Monroe. There is a loneliness in the world so great that you can see it in slow movement of the hands of the clock. People so tired, mutilated, either by love or no love. People just are not good to each other or are one-on-one. -on -one. The rich are not good to the rich. The poor are not good to the poor. We are afraid. Our educational system tells us that we can be big-ass winners. It hasn't told us about the gutters or the suicides or the terror of one person aching in one place alone, untouched, unspoken, watering a plant. People are not good to each other. People are not good to each other. People are not good to each other. I suppose it never will be. I don't ask them to be, but sometimes I think about it. The beads will swing, the clouds will cloud, and the killer will behead the child like taking a bite out of an ice cream cone. Too much, too little. Too fat, too thin, or nobody. More haters and lovers. People are not good to each other. Perhaps if they were, our deaths would not be so sad. Meanwhile, I look at young girls' stems, flower of chance, they must be away. Surely there must be a way we have not yet thought of. Who put this brain inside of me? It crimes, it demands, it says there is a chance, it will not say no. Ronald, you want to come say hello? You're supposed to be in bed, mister. You're supposed to be in bed. This is my son, Lionel. My little uh, poetry. What's the word when you? Uh, what's the word when you're training somebody? Potent uh, poetry. No, I can't my little poetic uh, trainee uh, apprentice. That's the word I'm looking for. My little poetic apprentice. Are you going to be a poet someday, Lionel? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to write about? Lights, farts. You're going to write about lights and farts. Yeah. Well, that's a really good thing to write about. What else are you going to write about? I write a beard. You're going to write about a beard? Yeah. You're going to be writing about having a beard? Yeah, I will be writing about a teddy bear. You're going to be writing about a teddy bear? Yeah. You know what? When you're old, you should grow a beard. If you can, you might as well. Right? Uh-huh. So you're going to write about a teddy bear. You're going to write about a beard. What else are you going to write about? Uh, write poop. You're going to write about poop? What on earth are you going to say about poop? I want to be a seesaw. You want to go on a seesaw? But what, tell me, tell me, what are you going to write about poop? You ain't farting. You're going to write about farting? Yeah, with pooping. 
You're going to write about farting and pooping? That's not, that's not a bad thing to write about. Not enough people write about farting and pooping. What, what, what else are you going to write about? Right. Um, hmm. A toy. Oh, you're going to write about your toys. That's a good idea. That's a very good idea. What toys would you write about? You have my dump truck. You're going to write about your dump truck? Yeah. That's cool. What would you what would you say about your dump truck? Uh, happy birthday to it. You're gonna you're gonna say happy birthday to your dump truck? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Do you wanna go to bed now? The one thing I have to say next. What's the one thing you have to say next? I want to get the one thing to wear seatbelt on seat. You wanna wear a seatbelt when you're sitting in the car seat? Yeah. Well, that's a really good well, idea. Wear a seatbelt on right, uh, a towel, right, don't worry, fat, right, get the ranting, a seatbelt, on a seatbelt, on a seat. So you want to go really fast in a, in a car and wear a seatbelt and go really fast in a car? Yep. Okay, good night. Can I have a kiss? Yep. Love you. I want to wipe out a hat. You want to wear a hat, too? Yeah. Cool. I want to wipe out a Timothy. You want to write about a Christmas tree. My son is going to write about driving a fast car with a seatbelt on and a Christmas tree. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Okay, we are on to some more poetry from Bukowski. Okay. This one is called Sources. Friendly advice to a lot of young men. Oh, shit. I'm done. The book is done, so we're going to take a little break. That was, uh, I just, okay. So if you go if you go on my, uh, on my, that's perfect how that worked out, that as soon as I was done, my son came in and made a little cameo. I just read, so if you look at my channel, there's another Bukowski reading. It was the start of this book. I just finished the second half of this book. Right now, we're going to play some music. I'm going to take a piss, grab some more drinks, and then I'm going to read you some of my poetry for my book, The Book of a Thousand Poems, Volume 1 through 4. I'm going to read you some of that, so stick around. Right now, we're going to play a couple tunes, or maybe one tune anyway. Some rock and roll from my album called Deer Headlights, which is available for free at wilkshake.bandcamp.com. That's W I. L-K-S-H-A-K-E dot bandcamp dot com. This one is called Around the Fire. Thank you for sticking around and uh, sit back and relax and enjoy some tunes. We'll get back to the poetry.
just out here for a smoke Maybe I'll poke around the garage And see if there are any new projects And I really haven't spoke About the matters that are pressing Underneath this dressing That is my skin After lunch we'll grab some beers And walk around the park until the day turns night And gaze at all of the Christmas lights On a park bench under the stars We'll count the downtown shitty bars <laughs> And then we'll hotbox my car We will hold hands and take a nap don't put up with each other's crap She does hair and I write and rap Maybe we'll stay in bed all day And talk about things like cheese fondue Dogs and cats is what we do I'm just out here for a smoke Maybe I'll poke around the garage and see if there are any new projects And I really haven't spoke About the matters that are pressing Underneath this dressing that is my skin If you wanna get away, now's the time Cause we got nothing Okay, I'm back Nothing to show we are reading some uh, poems. So if you want to get away, now's the time. Another of my book, The Book of a Thousand Poems. got nothing, nothing to show for it. So, so walk away. away. Okay, we are reading some poems now out of my book, The Book of a Thousand Poems. Hopefully you enjoyed that uh, hour. And we fucking did an hour and like 40 minutes of Bukowski. And in two videos, I finished his book. So if you want to support this channel and what I'm doing, I'm a poet from BC, Canada, on Vancouver Island, north. The Book of a Thousand Poems, volume one through four. We're going to do a random read out of this book right now. Tammy bought it. Uh, fucking Tuttle bought it. Tuttle's bought all my books, actually. Even the ones that I self-published before I got a publishing deal, Tuttle bought them all. Tuttle bought every single one of them. This one's called Slashing Yourself. This one uh, goes out to Tammy. This one is a... This poem is dedicated to Tammy. Slashing Yourself. Simply. We must. This time will be tough. Let's shake off the rust and deepen our wide cuts. Razor blade scars. Pop can thread gashes. The therapeutic melancholy of the depressionist slashes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't fucking cut yourself. Don't fucking cut yourself. If you want to cut yourself, message me. We'll talk. This one is called the Hooligan Hotel. Welcome to the Hooligan Hotel. The AC doesn't work, but the toilets work well. Don't mind the bloodstains. They're just from drunk kids. The vending machines have condoms and half bags of plain chips. 
If you feel like a swim, feel free to take a dip. But you'll have to put up with our male hooker, Jim. He's slim and he's old, but so I've been told, Jim can take things really deep. So enjoy your stay. We hope you have a really great night and day. Watch out for zombies with big fangs and AIDS. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. This one's called The Beetle and the Beaver. I'm a mixture of a beetle and a beaver. My claws are so slightly uneven. My tail tends to slap when some things make me mad and I live in a house made of sticks by the river. My beetle body does just fine in the cold. My beaver teeth, however, still chatter. Good, the good thing about being part beaver, part beetle is that comfort doesn't even matter. Have you ever imagined that your dad was a beetle and your mom was a beaver? Have you ever thought about that? I did. And I wrote about it. This one's called Good Book. We've seen too much. As though so is such. Mind is aching. Uploading. Erasing. Things got shook. I just want to settle down into a good book. You ever just want to do nothing but just sit on the couch and fucking read your favorite books? Read some Bukowski? That actually happens to me quite often. This one's called You Are My Darkness, and it's sung in the key of You Are My Sunshine. So I'm going to sing this. I'm going to sing this poem. You are my heartless. You are my darkness. You make me miserable most every day. You'll never know, bitch, how much I loathe you. Please just stay the hell out of my fucking way. This one's called Take Me a Picture. Take Me a Picture. My study needs some funk to enslave with some fixtures. If it's just the right mixture, I could write you a poem that came deep down from within from my hand and my home. So please, please, please take me a picture. And you know what? I, uh, I sent Tammy a signed book of mine. And what she did, essentially, she took me a picture. But what she did was she crocheted me some wicked shit. I'm going to show it to you right now. My son has named this beautiful crocheted character Cracker, and it's my favorite. It sits on my desk every day. Every time I get creative with music or writing or whatever, I am staring at Cracker. Thank you, Tammy. I love it. <clears throat> Thank you. Cracker. This one's called Frogs. Grugs, Craigs. Lorazepam Sam's my friend's name. Then there's Benzodiazepine Dwayne. 
Sam and Dwayne like to swim in my bloodstream and they both make me think that I'm smarter than them by playing tricks on me while they're inside me. They'll say, Conscience, tell this old lady a frequently heard poem of yours, fella. And then I'll say something like, Then the old lady runs to somewhere more safe. Hmm. This one's called Tire Iron. I'm an old tire iron that's almost expired. I've been stripped of my grip strength. Worn out quarters make working feel like fire. My outside is aged. My inside is just as strong as it was on my first day. Maybe even stronger. I'll fuck you up for harder and for longer. My pain-giving ability remains the exact same. I can't do the work. My purpose has changed. Now I live by the front door with the shoes and loose change. Anybody else keep a tire iron or a crowbar by their front door? This one's called punching bag. Consider me your punching bag. And please beat the tire out of me. I'll be hanging out here in your basement, waiting to help set you free. You carry heavy burdens. Won't you take it out all on me? Punch me in tense combinations until you make your knuckles bleed. <laughs> this one's called the Dorm of Ryan. I'm dancing with a dead horse. This corpse doesn't dance. But the rug sure is being torn. This rotten dead horse's hooves are so gosh damn worn. And that is a start of Ryan's necro-bestiality porn. The executives have been fully warned. Ryan, the filmmaker's dorm. Pretty gross. That one is one of the ones that I had to convince my publisher to let me publish. And they were on my side. My publisher lets me do it. Okay, so I, I submitted. You might notice there's uh, 382 pages, 382 poems in my book. I actually always, to my publisher, I pretty much always submit 400 page, 400 poem manuscripts. So they declined to publish 18. That is the 19th. And I promise I, I made them publish it. I'm just like, you have to publish this one. Anyway, this one's called Cry For Me. Endangered. Remembered as amazing. Radical radio reflections of dastardly behavior. Dwindling. Sending my pity to trees turned to kindling. Mattering. Flattering. Dropping my everything. Joy while inside your beautiful masterpiece. Classically. Eyes are the sky. Your body's all that is everything. Masterfully. Shaking. Breaking. Then you started to lie to me. You're going to drive for me. Survive for me. Always. You're going to survive for me. If you've made it this far in the video, you fucking love poetry. You love Bukowski. Maybe you'll like me. Uh, my book's available at uh, Walmart. Um... My, I, I have an American publisher, so it's uh, not Canadian. So it's not really available in Canada as much as I'd like it to be. I'm Canadian. But it's available at Walmart, at Target, at Barnes & Noble, 
uh, Amazon Worldwide. So the easiest way during the pandemic is to get it on Amazon. Conscience, just like my YouTube channel says, The Book of a Thousand Poems, Volume 1 through 4. You can get it anywhere in the world. This one's called The Letters Wax. As she kissed the wax on the letter, there was nothing quite better than knowing these words would find you somehow. As your travels unravel, I hope that the gavel refrains from impacting down hard on you now. We miss you, and we don't know why it is you left us, but what's best for you must be what's best for us. Nothing has much changed here other than you're still gone. Well, I guess the woodpile has certainly grown smaller. Your gain is our loss. We know that you know there's always some space for you here. Father, love, your loving daughter. This one's called Child's Away Now. Don't worry about me, mother. It's only a few hours down the road. Put your pistol away, father. The boys will leave me alone. Go back to sleep, little brother. You'll see me the next time I'm home. This is my dream. Text you all soon. Just be close by your phone. Cheers, everybody. That's probably your uh, 16th shot of the video, so I appreciate that you're drunk like me. This is my... Seven or eighth drink of the night, and I appreciate you all. I'm a, a beer drinker who has diabetes, so I am drinking vodka sodas. White Claws, White Claw, if you want to sponsor me. Uh, sponsor me, White Claw. If you could send me free booze to read poetry, that would be like a big success story. That's probably not going to happen. But anyway, I hope it does. Um, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. I love reading Bukowski. Thank you for sticking around and listening to my poetry. Uh, it's only 10.55 here, and I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm probably going to go and read some of my poems for a little while longer. So thanks for sticking around. Okay. This one's called Join My Cult. Come follow me. You've been neglected, forgotten. Families called you rotten and useless. You're ruthless with bruises. You deserve your own cruise ships. Society, I'll set you free. When I look into your eyes, I'll fix your poor minds. I'll recover your lives, make you all my wives. Yes, me. Focus on me. We'll derive our demise if we fail the reprise. Do what we need to survive or else we'll all die. But as one family, so won't you come follow me? Have you ever wondered if you could wear as clothes your favorite flavor? Think about that. This poem is about wearing your favorite flavor. Clothes. 
that are your favorite flavor. And it's called Beet Boots. Beet Boots. So, what flavor is your favorite? Oh, really? If you could, would you wear it? Too, square, too scared to wear your favorite flavor, are you? <laughs> Imagine some beet boots with broccoli toupees, maybe a turnip tie or a coconut crochet, ranch dressing socks and some pickled age cheese tops, nectary necklaces and a little hat made with schnapps. Does that sound okay? Gee whiz, kiddos, I'd say, wear your favorite flavors every single day. I don't know. I'm pretty fucked up. I'm pretty fucked up. Really? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> this one's called Old Mommy. Washing the laundry. Machines sure have been rode. Last night's outfit's dirty. Makes an extra small load. She misses all the laundry. Folding her children's clothes, socks inside out, grass stains with new holes. When the kids were children, machines would go, 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 go. They all have families of their own now. Extra large laundry nodes. Call her if you need her. She'll come help you fold. Your mommy still needs you. Your mommy's grown old. <laughs> this one's called Bitch Took My Babies. She tried to take the kids, but the kids said they loved me more. They wanted to come up to the woods and stay with their old man. She said, that's the problem. There's no running water. A wooden shack on the river's edge ain't no safe place for kids. I said, well, you got me there. But their daddy's a writer. All she said was, you're a fucking idiot. And then she took the kids away. Yep. This one's called Rhyme Shredder. Run on the spot. Grin. Make the fucking earth spin. Microphone attached with homemade grafuckinade pins. Pin full for blood red. Pressure folded origami. Turned triple A steaks into fucking chicken loaf bologna. The baritone phony turned Anthony to Tony. Fucking stallions into ponies. When he tried, he'll keep on going. Shredding bars with all his homies. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you all. We got a few people watching still, so I'm going to keep on going. I'm getting pretty drunk, i got to be honest. Like seven vodka sodas, I probably had two before, and I probably had nine vodka sodas. Ugh. What the hell? <clears throat> the way I see it, if you've made it this long in the video, you like what I'm doing, so I'm just going to keep on going. I got two more drinks left. I'm going to drink until I've drank the rest of those two drinks, and then I'm going to stop this video. We're at two hours and 19, 20, 21 seconds. We're doing a random read of my book, The Book of a Thousand Poles, volume one through four. <coughs> if you'd like to support me, 
in my channel, all you have to do is go to uh, fucking uh, Walmart, um, Target, Barnes and Noble. Um, there's probably a lot of like small independent bookstores that sell it too, but the big ones is probably cheapest at Walmart. It's probably uh, yeah, it's probably cheapest at Walmart. It's probably most expensive at Barnes and Noble, and it's probably right in the middle on Amazon. So you can buy it any at any one of those places. The Book of a Thousand Poems, Volume One Through Four. Thank you. This one's called The Turning Tables. The turning tables seemingly had no immediate relation, but as the beats mixed together, they transformed into something sublime. The ravers and junkies all stood in a line waiting to snort drugs in the can in good time. The base notes were shaking, rib cages almost breaking, and the troublesome treble shivered deep in their spine. The music was flattering for a nice night fucked up. The turning tables entertained their explorative minds. Did you grow up in the 90s? Remember rave? <laughs> Raves were fun. Okay. Um, this one's called Dream Color. Last night, I dreamed red. I dreamed red with pure glory. Dare I do dream dark red? You'll hear a good story. Yes, I dreamt red. No, I'm not sorry. It's all in your head. Because outside it's pouring. When it does rain, I always dream green. Please tell me now, what color's your dream? What color is your dream this is about lines and it's about drawing lines together because sometimes all the world needs to do is draw some lines lines maybe we could waste some time a crime how about we sit and draw some sweet lines Sketch a grapevine or a glass of fine wine. Paint a bovine or a sprig of fresh thyme. Any damn line is a line that's just fine. They're curvy or crooked or any other kind. Write a cool rhyme. Spell, shine, or spine. Stare at your lines, then lay your eyes on mine. Doodle some lines while we watch, drive, and dine. I really do like your super sweet designs. Thanks for helping us kill some time with some lines. Wow. Lines. Draw some lines. Well, I really appreciate you guys for making it this far in the video and sticking with me. Tammy, you're the best. I'm not sure who's still in here, but there's people watching, so I'm going to keep on going. We got Tammy. We got uh, Mind of Gemini. We got Tuttle. We got someone else who I don't know. Anyway, we got people watching, so I'm going to keep on going. Thank you for watching here because Instagram hates my guts and they're going to delete my channel pretty soon. This one's called The Rockabilly. I'm a fairy tale ending. A lyric that's been rehearsed. Brass knuckles with very deep scratches. A chromed up and styled out hearse. I'm a bad tattoo. A lie that became true. 
a victim of circumstance, an artist with the blues. This one's called The Buzzard. I've been staring at these treetops for so long. Perched on a high tree, singing my life song. I've wasted away. I've dropped a coin here. Drained mighty rivers, rarely found paired. Always have shivered with a deepening stare. The Buzzard. Okay. Okay, this one's called I'm on Meth Mike. And there's two voices. So you're going to hear two different voices during this poem. One is I'm on Meth Mike. And the other one is someone else. Okay. So. I hear you're hooked on the meth. How's that going for you, Meth Mike? Uh... My name is Mike Methels, or Meth Mike for short. I'm on meth. Is this the right room? Why do you smoke meth all day in the streets, Meth Mike? My decisions, well, yes. They've not been the best. You'll understand soon, though. Just listen to me, and I'll tell you the rest. Okay, Meth Mike. Go on. My life has been so demandingly messed. Dad beat me blue from 2 through 32. Mom slit her wrists when I was 5, and then I found the mess. IQ is 134, and yes, I'm not at my best. I have mental illness. I'm sick, not a pest. Now let me ask you, do you have any meth? No. Sorry, Meth Mike. I don't have any meth. I'm a Meth Mike. This one's called Dragons. We're enraged. Ritualistic feedings by dragons. Wage discriminant wagon getting pulled by the pagans. Financial globe of the pricks. No way to relate to a peasant little bitch other than to watch everything they do. Hear what it says and put together the clues. Market us famished and starving for news. We're screwed. This one's called Good Girl, and it's about my old dog. I fucking miss that dog. Her name was Rona, and she was the best. <clears throat> if the dog park was muddy, we'd still toss around the ball. Now that she's gone, I have canine withdrawal. She was black, smart, and beautiful. The world's very best dog. I know that you're up there playing fetch with God. Hopefully this damn puppy took all your advice. Rest in peace. <coughs> Cheers. Cheers. This one's called Old Time Mary Lou. You are my accessory. My old time Mary Lou. You gave me a nick and a patty whack twice before you sexually laced my new shoes. I rooked our abuse. 
as your checkmates improved. Soon after the perfect bliss, we both fell out of our grooves. We're born to lose. This one's called Peanut Whiskey Shit. Peanut Whiskey Shit. I'm a crust up peanut shell on a greasy men's bathroom floor. I used to live in a nice bowl on a table, and my life was nothing much else than dodging messy hands, trying to grab and break my life in half a little bit more. Finally, some fuck up snagged me. She ate my nuts as she stumbled through the men's toilet stall's door. She threw up and took a whiskey shit. I ended up beside her on the floor, crushed apart to my core. This one's called the Scariole. I'm damaged. I'm reluctant. I'm shy and I'm free. My symptoms are hummingbirds. I'm inside an old dying tree. Give me some symmetry. Lopsided death. As age defines reason, we clean up our mess. Cheers. So if you're just joining us now, um, I've read Bukowski's book, The Essential Bukowski, selected and edited by Abril DeBrito in the past two videos. You can go on my channel and find the first half of Bukowski's book. But I finished it tonight, and uh, now that I've finished it, I figured I'd read some of mine. So we're reading out of my book. The Book of a Thousand Poles, Volume 1 through 4 at Walmart, Target, fucking all this shit. It's all over the place. You can get it really easily. This one's called Good Morning, My Love. Jimmy is fortunate. Jimmy walks free. Jimmy's so vulnerable. Jimmy smokes weed. Reed is evangelist. Reed is so sweet. <coughs> Reed will do anything that Jimmy will ever need. Oh. This one's called Author of the Miniature. I'm a raggedy gasp of ether and the huffed lungful of fuming gas. I'm the Hawaiian vacation and also the Monday morning kick deep inside your ass. Think about it. I'm you. When you read my prose, I give my unlocked soul as hunger's stew. Skipping inside your fingertips, I crawl inside your heart and flow through your veins into every single part. This one's called For My Niggas. Marginalize me. Make holidays about me that won't set me free. Holocaust my purity. Persecute my innocence. Call me a minority. Floor me with omnipotence. Destroy me with chivalry. Keep it nonsensical and totally free. This is another one coming up that my publisher did not want to publish, but I forced them to let me publish it. It's called The Alphabet Song for Adults. 
A bloody cunt dips everything fucking gape. Hardly irreversible. Jabbing kinked labia. Messy nibbles. Ovulating pequeefs rip satisfying towards undulating vagina wetness. XXX. Yowie. Zap. I'm sorry for that one. This one's called It's Hard Finding You. Found it hard to find you. It doesn't matter. Never mind. Let's dream of perfect futures together. Dance in time. I love that all of you is stuck with me for this long. It's fantastic. It makes me realize that uh, not only do you love Bukowski, but you're digging what I'm throwing down to. Uh, my shit's a little more vulgar than Bukowski's, but uh, I think it kind of has symmetry in some weird way. He was a big part of my life growing up. I found out when I was 13. Uh, just after he died, I was 13, and uh, my brother, who's a playwright and a writer, told me about him, and I've been obsessed ever since. So uh, thank you for sticking around this long. Hopefully you're having a drink. Hopefully you're uh, smoking some crack or shooting some heroin or whatever you do to relax. I'm not really sure. So uh, do whatever you need to do to make you happy. And I'm going to keep on reading. I still got a drink and a half. And if you can tell from my voice, I'm definitely drunk. I'm definitely drunk. This one's called Black and Blue. I am a daredeviling, thrill-seeking adrenaline junkie, and rarely am I careful. It seems there's always a pail full of blood, steel plates, and doctor's scalpels whenever I lay down some tasty, action-filled samples. I did not learn how to look both ways until I was almost 22. What you gonna do? Let's go get black and blue. This one's called Colorblind. And it is an anti-racism poem because if you're racist, you're a fucking piece of shit. Colorblind. We have no color. We're colorblind. We're just a mess of grayscale lines. Remove the color from your mind. Picture us without divide. Shades of selfless flying high. Techno color will arrive and blow to hell our grayscale minds. Holy fuck, these trees are greens. So many browns and shades of peach. Can you believe what colors bring? Our world was once so dull. This one's called Be My Equal. Be my equal. Let's be one people. Can we all be queer and disabled? That's the future's fable. A Muslim, Jew, Buddhist, and Christian all cooking food for one table inside a glistening kitchen. Working together, efficient. We reflect the same spectrum. 
We are all alike. Refract new systems. Refract new systems. Tammy, how you doing? You've been watching the whole fucking thing, and I appreciate that. This one is called Hemorrhagic Climax. Like that, I saw it come, like a bottle of rum. The moon bled for the sun. Humans marched to their drums. For reptilians, mason come. In divided religious gumption, we're stunned. We've succumbed to the dragons and pagans with socialist presence representing the lost heavens. With our stacks of cracks, bruises, and sore backs, we're under attack. Make it clear we're near a hemorrhagic climax. This one's called Lobster, and it's about uh, being a lobster. I'm a lobster. I crawl around the bottom layer getting crapped on like a crawling oxymoron. An alien monster. I can't really see what I smell. What the hell is this fucking thing? It's dark down here, and it's hard to tell. I'll eat the microorganisms out of your poop. I'm a fucking lobster. There's no level that's too low to stoop. This one's called Corey Hayes and Jerry McBride. Old Corey Hayes. Well, how are you now? I see you still got that nice scar on your brow. That day on the blue when the bow swung right in and it gave you a nice cut and then Jerry fell in. Man overboard made her blood clot squeeze free with palpitating leisure that could never re-be. As Jerry surfaced, we all breathed a breath of fresh air and as the blood ran down your face, we all let out this cheer. Run with the sunrise till sunrise runs dry, and then hide from the heat and play cards with the guys. When we are all sailing, God is on our side, especially for our old friend, young Jerry McBride. Whew, I'm getting drunk. Okay, we got one more drink. This is the last drink of the night. We're at two hours and 20 minutes. Thank you for sticking with me. I appreciate you all. We've read probably 20 or 30 poems out of my book, and there's 400 or 382 because 18 got denied. Okay. This one's called Cancer's Home. I was sitting, daydreaming, while holding on to his hand. 
about what a fine man had been had reduced to sand. His cancer came back and left again twice. So I guess you could say he'd been rolling the dice. The waves turned tsunami and the froth crashed to earth. The death of an old man is never well versed. I'm getting drunk. I'm mispronouncing my shit. This one's called Sun Rot. I'm slowly rotting like an old corpse in the sun. A run-down cadaver who went out for a run. Failing repeatedly, miserably so. Heartbroken long before it was the right time to go. And he clare without filling. A man in despair. I'm losing the ability <coughs> to actually care. This one's called The Honest Addiction. Tell me an extensive and acutely detailed life story of all the positive droplets that entered your deeply personal and darkly deep metaphysical quarry. Make it about your most triumphant success when maybe you pondered whether you or not have been responding to God's rarest and purest form of pure glory. Are you puzzling together at this moment while you read something about a similar roaring? Enjoy this exploring and dunk it into your core exclusively for your continuous shining. Think about your most cherished time and start smiling. Mine is the first time I ever shot heroin. Never look back. I'm too drunk. I'm too drunk to do this. We're going to end this right now. Thank you for uh, sticking around and getting drunk with me and taking some shots. I can't really read straight anymore, so that is when it is the time to stop reading. I appreciate you all. I love you all. Thank you for sticking around, and uh, share this video with your friends. It's all about Charles Bukowski. Cheers.